our Father in heaven, thank you so much. You brought us here safely. And now as we begin our podcast for today, we pray that you may be with us. Guide our minds, guide our thoughts, guide us as we speak, dear Father, so that we may lift up those who are listening. And even you may speak to us personally, so that, Father, we may continue to work for you in every way possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Kenan Ombasa. I'm Collins Maranga, and we are joined by our guest, Kafa Onyangore. And today we'll be discussing life as a youth and as a young adult in the diaspora. We'll tackle different dynamics that youths face in terms of culture, education, religious aspects, and relationships. Thank you for joining us once again, and we hope that you get enlightened and more so blessed as you listen. My brother Kefa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Ken. Uh, my name is Kefa, like he has said. I am 23 years old. I was born in Kenya, raised up most of my life in America. I've lived here for 16 years of my life, Ken and Collins. It's quite a long time. I've seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. I've maneuvered in this life in the diaspora, especially here in Minnesota, where there's different ideologies, different cultures, different lifestyles, and it has really shaped who I am today. So I love sports. I love playing basketball. I love playing soccer. I love playing football. I played football in high school. And just a little bit by myself, I have three brothers who are older than me. I have a mother and father who are both alive. We praise God. They're living, they're healthy. And I am so glad I'm in this space where I can talk about how I lived in this diaspora and how I can help the community at large, especially the youths. So you've, you've been here for 16 years. Were your, your parents, were they, have they been here the, the same time or they came way before you guys came? Yeah, so me and my parents came here in 2004. So we've been living here since 2004 and as you know it's 2020 <laughs> so that's 16 years man uh, it's been a quite a, a fun time ups and down but we thank god for living in this beautiful land yeah i remember uh, in 2004 when we picked you guys up from the airport <laughs> brought you and we got you settled and man time has time has flown yeah man time is really flying by I remember the times when I was younger, coming to church, singing the Four Brothers. I know you guys remember that. I remember that yeah. very clearly. So I was raised in the SDA community. I never deviated. I may have just stepped out a little bit, but never. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get into we'll that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kefa, uh, tell us a, a little bit about your thoughts uh, about living in the U.S. I'll tell you what. Coming here when I was younger, I was like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I love Kenya. That's where all my friends are. Think about leaving all your good friends. The people you used to hang out with every single day. You leave them in Kenya and you come into a foreign land. As a young kid, you don't care about how beautiful the place is. You're like, man, I've left all my memories, all my friends back in Kenya. But as I grew up in this country, I was like, man, there's a beauty in this country. If you maneuver it the correct way. There's so much opportunities here. And I made so many friends here as well. So I don't regret living in America because it shaped me to become the man that I am today. A man with integrity, a man who likes to get things done because the way, whether you like it or not, America is a fast-paced country and you gotta get things done. And you gotta keep up. And you gotta keep up, yeah. yeah, yeah true. Um, how about school? Are you in school? Are you done with school? Yeah, so I finished my four-year degree from Bethel University in 2018, sorry, 2018 in December. I did it in uh, three and a half years, so I thank God for that. But I, I study international business. And right now, I work for a company called Allianz Life Insurance Company as a financial professional. I've been working there for one year, and I'll say, I'll say one year and two months. So it's been a, quite a roller coaster, but I've enjoyed my time there. 
yeah i, I remember i remember I, i i wasn't fortunate i don't know if i say it's fortunate i wasn't fortunate enough to come to america after my high school i went to india and um i the the challenges and the, the dynamics i think are about the same because you are a young man you're in school no you know you it's it's a different culture so maneuvering that you know was also a challenge so i can imagine in the west where there's ample opportunity you know guys drive you know they have their own cars some of them even move out you know after after high school so i believe the challenges are are the same but in the west we face different type of challenges that's very true um i also came immediately after high school some 20 years ago uh and our experience uh was slightly different but it is pretty much uh similar i didn't come with my parents so i had to maneuver this country by myself i had to listen to people who were advising me to do certain things and i had to think for myself is it is this right i didn't have much information to really uh think through what i was being told to do but some things i do i did by faith some things were wrong some things were right and so here we are um when i got some information to be able to handle my experience uh differently or better i i did that so we're going to share a lot of things and i hope that uh all of us will be will benefit and even our our listeners will be able to find uh some information that can be helpful to them and uh, the main aim of this podcast you know is to have our audience relate to kind of the life situations that you know are out there and we we aim to just bring it out and so whoever is listening can relate and can find support and even encouragement and you know with that so with that being said um Kenyan youths in diaspora um and I think there's there's different categories of Kenyan youths um in the diaspora there's those that are in the church as my brother Kefa here and we grew up in the church as well there are those that are um for lack of a better term in the world you know who um don't have that religious background um but I think for the main focus of today we'll have we'll we'll tackle the ones I even say where you can you know we'll we'll kind of you know put them together but in terms of the youths in the diaspora those in the church what are your what are your thoughts and what are what what can you relate uh, or relate to us about the youths in the diaspora I will say Kenyan youths in the diaspora those who are in the church are quite confused Yeah I said it you heard me right they're confused Yeah, I'm not stuttering here because I believe that they were thrown in a lion's den where they were thrown in an area where they were not accustomed to different ideologies, different cultures. Because as soon as they leave the church, they go back to school where there's different people, different cultures, and they're wondering where they fit in. The reason why I'm saying that is because I experienced the same thing, Ken. I was raised up in a culture where you come in with your SDA mindset and people are like you yo you're very very weird like uh, why are you talking that way why are you saying you don't eat pork i mean we all eat pork i mean why are you saying that you worship on the sabbath which is saturday we worship on sunday what are you talking about so it was like a juggle you know you were juggling life you were juggling the SDA community you were juggling friendships in the SDA church and also at school seeing where you fit in so it was quite a confusing time and i know for a fact not just myself that experienced that there is more kenyan youths who experience the same exact thing that I, that i went through and the way that you maneuver through that it's like uh you need some higher power which we'll discuss later that's that's th- those are loaded points you know um i and i can i can relate to that i mean there's that there's those youths that grew up in the church in kenya and they came to the states and my experience with uh, with that with those um youths were they are a little grounded more 
than those who are born here and are growing up in the church. Um, and I'll attribute that to, the, to our parents because our parents in Kenya, our parents had a little bit of rope for, for you know, to, to, to get a hold of us. I mean, I remember we used to wake up in the morning on a Sabbath and we'll parade. We'll dress up and then parade and our parents would inspect, you know, how we are dressed. And they instilled in us some foundations that when I moved from, from Kenya to, uh, to school, I still held on to those things, you know, and I, I, again, I must say experiences in the West are a little different than, than what the, the, is there in the East. Um, but when you come to America, it's a whole different ballgame. There's, there's food that you have to adapt to. There's weather that you have to adapt to. Schoolwork, you know, it's, it, it, and when you say they're confused, I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense. That's very true. And uh, I think it's slightly different for you than it is for us because you came as a young child. I remember, uh, uh, I remember you in our Pathfinder program where we, we did a lot of things, including camping and so many other things. And I think a lot of things are left, are left to imagination because when you go to school as a young child, there's a lot of experiences that you get, which many of us who came after high school really did not experience. And uh, th those are some of the things that uh, we're going to we're, we're going to be talking about. I did a class where uh, the teacher was talking about adverse childhood experiences and how they shape adults and. He says he said something profound that when children, as young children, uh, behold or see their parents fighting, it causes them to develop differently than children who did not see that. And so those adver adverse childhood experiences shape the adults we see. And so as a child, if you are if you experienced um, the racial disparities that we experience as adults, it, it will leave a lasting uh, impression in you more than it would with us. And so I think it will be nice to have that conversation and see uh, how uh, we can be able to, to, to help out or even by sometimes talking about it, it lifts a big, huge load from your heart. I believe that's true because whenever you talk about these issues, you find a resolution. Because in life, there's always a resolution. There's a conclusion. Uh, and like you said, the things that you see as a child, even the movies you watch, the cartoons you watch, it really shapes you who you are when you become an adult. So the things I saw in school, the things I saw whenever I would walk down the street, the racial injustice or the times where people were made fun of because they were African per se, or they were Kenyan, they spoke in an accent. Because you never experienced that in Kenya because everyone you know, has an accent, so there's no way that somebody can make fun of you. But in this culture, sometimes Kenyans were not accepted. And that really shaped them to probably be more disclosed, be more in a dark space than the others, which is something that I experienced myself. And it, and it really ruined my mental health. It made me go into a down, downward spiral where I didn't know where I fit in. So talking about these issues is quite important, Collins. And it really helps us move forward in this walk of faith. So maybe it's a good time for us to talk about kind of your, take it personal now. And you've mentioned your, your mental health. And in the last years, last maybe five or six years, we've seen a lot of increase in mental health, um, cases of depression and onsets of mental health, mental illness amongst our Kenyan youth. And we've had um, unfortunate cases where, you know, lives have been ruined, like you said. So in terms of mental health, um, how, how was it for you? Well, Ken, I'm going to be honest. 
It was during a time when I was in college when I had the most freedom. My parents were never there. I wake up whenever I want, I go to sleep whenever I want, I go to Perkins at 3 a.m. I have breakfast whenever I want, ate whatever I want, but I would still abide by God's principles. But still, I was in my own time clock. So it was a time when I was like, okay, now I'm free. Now I can do whatever I want. Now I can hang out with whoever I want. My parents never bother me. They call me, but I can just not pick up. So this was a time where I had the most freedom. And it was in college where you do, you go to parties, you you go with your friends to different occasions, you hang out with different types of people. And I thought I was doing everything correctly until one day it all went down. And I thought my friends who were with me all those times would be there with me towards my you know, downward times when I was depressed and sad, but they all left. So it was just me alone. And I called my parents, I was like, mom, dad, I need to come home. So I came home and that is when they realized mentally I was not there. Mentally, I was not stable. So they took me to the hospital. So I stayed in a psychiatric unit for, I would say, five days. Staying around people who were screaming, knocking on the floor, crawling on the floor, shouting at you, doing push-ups at random times. You're like, man, it's 11 a.m. Or no, it's 11 p.m. Why are you doing push-ups at this time? But they weren't mentally there. And you yourself, you were like, I'm not as bad as them. Like, why am I in the psychiatric unit? But then when my parents see me and my brother see me, they're like, Kefa, you're still not okay. And th- those are the times where I realized that life is not what it seems. You may think your, your friends are those people who you will die with. But I'll tell you what, your parents will be there with you through thick and thin. That's the one thing I realized. And they loved me. So mentally living in this culture where freedom is really emphasized we think that that's the best way to live but mentally you need some guidance you need the way forward that's very true um that 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 experience was profound and um i'm actually thankful kefa for being so vulnerable and being willing to to share your story um it's very few people who would want to open the curtain to their life so that others could see, could look in and see their real story. And I believe that your story will help very many. There are very many people, uh, and maybe the youth and even adults who are experiencing mental illness, but uh, they're not able to talk about it. They haven't gotten to that place where you were able to make it and be able to look back and use it as an experience to help others so we are we are, we are very thankful um, my next question will be as a as an immigrant youth or a kenyan a youth of kenyan descent how are we supposed to live in a foreign land from your own experiences from what you have thought through and and what what you have to advise others how would you uh, answer this question you know i cannot answer this question until i apply faith because faith is an integral part of living in the kenyan or in the american diaspora because if you're a kenyan youth who is suffering from different types of character issues maybe maybe you don't fit in in whatever society that you're in people don't like you maybe some other people talk bad about you and you feel as if it's just me against the world I have something to tell you. If God is on your side, nobody can be against you. And I never thought those words were so true until I found God. Because during a time where you're in the land of milk and honey, as Kenyans would say, (laughs) where they think everything here is sweet, it's beautiful, I'll tell you what, life here is not easy. There's no way you can maneuver through this life unless you apply faith into this life. You ask God, God, where should I go? God, what should I do? Like, you're just a baby. Like, God, teach me. 
and that is where when you can maneuver this life because we're living in the american system right where we have to abide by the american principles the american rules when you see a caucasian person you say hi you see or if you see an african-american person you say what's good you know <laughs> i'm telling you that's what i do and the youths can relate to that as well different cultures you know it it brings forth a different character in you but if you're living in god's system let me tell you it's above all systems and all things work well for those who live in god's system because you don't know where the wind blows but you know that it's blowing somewhere so when god is guiding you even if all in this life goes down you know you're in a solid rock which is a solid rock that i stand so definitely if i can give you any advice please search the scriptures for yourself search god god will help you to become a great person because even me graduating college i told you guys i went through mental health during college i went through mental instability when i was in college i dropped out of college twice because of mental issues but i still finished in three and a half years you can't say that's me that has to be god so i'm here to just exclaim and i'll say one more time it's the last time in this sentence believe in god god is your refuge amen and you you mentioned something a very good point um actually very many good points but when you were going through your mental health i mean you had your parents you know that were supportive and sounds like they understood and they were able to look at you and say you know what he needs help um and i know there, there are those youths who might not have come here with their parents for example my my brother collins might not have didn't come with his parents but to those i feel for those that go through that and they don't have them they don't have god first of all they don't have the faith to back them up and they don't have the support at home that will help them to help them maneuver that so those are the ones that you know get are challenged even more and it starts with god and it ends with god once you have that footing and know who's above you and who's ahead of you you can go through any experience as a young man and as a young woman in america and we've we see a lot of discrimination and hate you know nowadays well george floyd you know brianna taylor and all we can we can go and mention many of them how can we live in this world you know we're not we're not african-american we're africans and some of my african-american friends say you cannot relate with what i've been through but we do face discrimination and hate you know gentlemen how can we be successful amidst this let me let me let me chime in a little uh i i have a similar story uh, right in uh, as soon as you came in 2004 i remember i was in winona state university in winona minnesota and as i was i was going to school and going home and going to church on on saturdays and 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 it was uh it it, it was a a a regular experience just as you may uh you have exp- explained but it came a time when i realized that i was working and everything i was paying i was paying i was getting from working i was uh paying to the school and i didn't have enough food i was living by myself and um it came a time when i i i i could not really make what is the end of this it just sounded like or it looked like a roller coaster i was just going it was mundane task after task after task i was passing my classes and uh when the semester ended the next semester i tried to 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 register and i could not i because i did not have any finances and so one day one time I remember as I was walking to school uh I was I was I was located very close to the school 
I was not living in the hostels of the school, but I was outside the school, but very close I could walk. So as I was walking to school, I used to pass through a path. There was a shortcut where we crossed railway lines and then we uh, I, I walk into school. And I remember that uh, that one morning when I I I was walking and I got to the to the railway lines and I just stood there. I just looked around and I just wished uh, a train would come right now and just end my life there. That that was my lowest point. I remember I came back to my senses after I don't know how long it was. I stood there, I don't know how long. And other students came and they went past me. They left me there. Um, I came back to my senses some minutes later and I went to the school, to the school counselor office. And I just went to talk to them. I, I, I explained to them, I think I'm, 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 I have some mental issue. I, I think I'm, I'm suicidal. And the counselor looked at me and he, she asked me, uh, what is most important in your life? Is there someone who is important in your life? Is there something you're going through in your life? Have you lost someone or something? And she spoke in a way that made me realize that I'm not in this world by myself. And she told me, you know, your mom is important to you as you have been explaining to me. I don't think doing uh, what you are thinking of doing will bring joy to her. I think the best thing you can do is do everything you can. Continue what you're doing. You're, you're, you're in the right path. Finish your school. When, once you finish your school, you will get all the resources that you need. Uh, the school has to do things the way the school has to do. If you need financial help, approach the financial office and they can be of good uh, help to you. So that school counselor, I think, was a godsend. That took, uh, she took the place of my mother. She took the place of my parents. I think as immigrant youth in diaspora, we need parent-like figures who can bring some sense into us when we, when we lose it. When our mental health is precarious, we can find uh, someone who can help us out. Our parents may not be here, but God can send someone who will help us out of that immediate situation. Discrimination, discrimination and hate was rampant in the school, um, the classes that we took. But I can also attest that my faith, I always prayed and I always asked God, how can I go around what I am experiencing right now? And I am here because God gave me a way out. And Amen. parents, this is a message to all parents. Do not wait until your kid has mental issues so that you can start talking with them, giving them guidance. It's too late. At that point, go on your knees because they are fighting a demon, which is a devil. So as parents, work with your kids before they get mental issues because some of them are spiraling down towards depression so they need help now talk with them and i know in the kenyan culture it's like you know we don't talk with the kids you go to school you get your education then you come back home and life goes on if you have a problem figure it out but we need to be more open and vulnerable in america that may work in kenya but in America, you need to talk with your kids. Talk to them like they're your friends. Tell them, I am here for you. I know what you're struggling with. And that's why this podcast is here to tell them that these are the things that youths face in the diaspora. There's nothing short you can take, take out of it. But Collins, thank you for sharing that because I relate. Because uh, even at, when I was in the mental instability, I really wanted to, I'm sorry to say, end my life. 
and you're wondering why Kafa, you, you seem like a talented guy who loves God who you know has a good outlook on life why do you want to end your life it's because you haven't felt the lowest of low when you feel as if the world is crashing in and it's just you against the world and I had parents here you know Collins did not have his parents here but I had my parents here I had my brothers here but still I had that time in my life when I was like, God, take me now. But, like Colin said, he had a mother figure there to help him. My dad, I haven't seen, my dad's eyes were like, they were turning red. You know, Africans' dad don't tear up. Whether you like it or not, they, they are very manly. Tough, tough as nails. But my dad, I've never seen him so, so sad. My mom was crying, praying all the time. And those are the things that gave me energy, that power to keep on going. My friends, they weren't really much there because whenever you go through those times, your friends kind of like, ah, you figure it out. <laughs> you got this, you're a tough guy. <laughs> we'll catch you when you're okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my parents really helped me out. Speaking of parents, uh, do you think that our parents truly understand what we go through on a daily basis in regards to work and school? And I just want to paint this picture that our parents brought us here. They are here for the first time. They didn't experience what we experienced. I mean, they, they came here uh, the same time as you came here. They were trying to figure out their way as well. And here they are, they have to provide for you. They have to get a job. They have to speak English. And not just English, American English. I remember in my English class, I wrote my papers and I lost points because I wrote in British English. I thought English was English. <laughs> but my teacher had the, the guts to separate American English from British English you see so they had to speak American English they had to be understood they had to be uh, they had to get a job they had to be able to make the to get the resources to help you out um, <clears throat> looking at that backdrop uh, how how can our parents prepare us how can the parents prepare their youth to face uh, the life in uh, in American society in diaspora you know what Collins in the diaspora it's a new thing every day you don't face the same problem you know multiple times it's like a new problem every single day and in school I remember my first day in school, I was so confused. And they look at you like, figure it out, you know? In America, you gotta figure it out. Like, you're first and foremost, you're African. And you're black. You know? Here, it's a room full of Caucasian people. They, they've already got it figured out. They already know what's going on. Now you yourself, start figuring it out now. And get, get to it. Because we're not gonna, you know, waste time. If you don't figure it out, we'll leave you back. So, it's a high-pressure situation where now you got to start putting things together. Okay, I got to speak this way. It's not water, it's water, you know? <laughs> With small words like that, it's not H, it's H. You got to start now being very open. You got to start soaking things in. And you know, I came here when I was very young. So soaking things in was not that hard. It was natural, you know. I automatically knew what's going on. You know, I just came in and I was like, All right, I'm learning, I'm learning. But somebody who comes here when they're 20 or 21, it's a different ballgame. And they feel as if they're mis misunderstood from the Caucasian people. They're like, these guys don't care about us. Don't give me your high, I don't care. But it's quite a time where you got to start being open, right? Now, as a, f a father and a mother, who brings your child here? Number one thing, be supportive. They come home from school. Don't think they had a great day in school. <laughs> Ask them, how was your day? And believe them. <laughs> believe what they say. Yeah. 
right, right. <laughs> you know, ask how was school. And then they say, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Going to deeper. What you do in school? How was English? English was a big problem of mine. It still is till this day. How was English? How was comma, whatever? Ask them what they experienced in school. And then also be involved. Some of them like playing soccer. Try to go to one of their games. Try to be there for your child, especially in these times. Because a lot of them had facing different hardships. They're trying to fit in. Now try to guide them into fitting in. And that's basically all you can do. Because at this time, you're learning and I'm learning. You don't know what's going on. I'm learning as well. <laughs> so now let's support each other so that we can actually figure it out. And then later on, you're like, okay, we got it now. Let's go. You see? So I would say don't think you know it all because the way you think in Kenya is not the same way you should think here. Because here it's different. And then, But, you know, we have to be realistic though. You come here, you are... You come to America, you know, you... You went to school, right? You go to school in the evening. But sometimes you come home, the, your parents are not home. Where are they? They're working too, you know? So intentionally having those times where we can have dinner table conversations with your kids. Just, we've lost, we've lost the meaning of a dinner table, you know? Guys eat in their rooms, guys eat outside. But parents are missing that opportunity where they can talk to their kids over dinner and ask them those questions how was your day what are you struggling with what works for you you know but the system in america has made it it's 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 a revolving our houses are revolving doors you come in i go out you come in i go out so having that time where you can talk and actually have your child tell you this is what's going on in my life it's hard so intentionality of having that time to sit down and talk that's that's most important that's right and you know youths may say dad you don't understand mom you don't get it you know and obviously they don't get it in a whole but they do understand what youths face through they were once youths they once had a girl that they liked or a guy that they liked they once had to go through hate discrimination they also had to go through hard schooling, even harder schooling than here, you see. So there's some things you can relate with your parents with. And this is a message to the youths. Be open. Talk with them. Be vulnerable. Be, be, be vulnerable, yes. Yeah. You know, back then I used to think my dad was outdated. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear that. <laughs> he definitely will. But, it would definitely be well, but yeah. I used to think it was, you know, not dot com. But right now, I talk to him like he's my best friend. We laugh. I never, th- never thought my dad was so funny. That guy can really make me laugh until I fall down. <laughs> but you never see that character because <laughs> all you see is just him being serious all the time because he cares about you. But until you talk with him, he will tell you all the wisdom you need to know. That's very true. Now, you know, speaking as a parent now, I, I took my first child to school in 2012 or 11, I can't remember. She was about five, so we wanted to start her in kindergarten early. And the first few days in school, we noticed a change. She was becoming aggressive and I was wondering, there's no one aggressive at home. Uh, who, what, where is this aggression coming from? So my wife thought, um, let, let's talk to, this, to the teacher. So she went to the teacher and she decided to spend some time uh, there. The teacher was nice enough. She decided to invite her to the class. So she sat at the very back as the teacher was teaching, just looking at the dynamics of the class and how her daughter was doing. And during class, she noticed that some of the kids in the class, she was the only uh, black child in that whole class. It was a Lutheran school. And as she was trying to learn, the teacher was teaching, writing B in the board and trying to explain what's, what's happening. And my wife saw other students, some boys, t- 
turning to to our daughter and telling her that her skin is dirty she needed to go and take a shower or go wash and scrub and they were basically uh, distracting her and she was trying to defend herself so as the teacher was teaching the commotion was going on and my wife did not intervene she just wanted to see what will happen so the teacher turned back and by the time the teacher was turning back my my daughter was responding to defend herself and the teacher took that and and told later on told my my wife that you see your your daughter is becoming uh, aggressive to other to other students they had reported that before so my wife had to explain to her what really was going on and the teacher was very shocked she 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 apologized she did not know uh, that that was what was going on in her class and so this really was an eye opener to us that's why we decided to take our our daughter and look for a different means of 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 providing education for her and we stumbled upon homeschooling is that is that an answer i think uh for us we found that to be our best mode but i think if parents can get involved in their children's lives they would be able to see for themselves what the children are going through so that they can provide that support that they need wow powerful that's that's powerful how do we go forward that's the main question how do we go forward um and we have to go back to the bible right we have to go back to the bible daniel what can you guys share about daniel daniel i would say that guy stood up for what's right he was not afraid that's one character i can take from daniel he was not afraid and one thing is he came to a foreign land babylon that's not his land he came there and actually was forced to come there through the king so daniel was somebody who did not try to fit in just because it's the right thing to do he still was somebody who was living in God's system. He he said, "I'm going to live my life the right way. I don't care what you said." Even at the time where they offered him food. Like, "Come here and eat the king's food." He said, "Nope. I'll eat water and vegetables." And then after how many days? Can you remind me? I believe it was 10 days. After 10 days, let's see who's more stronger. Let's see who's more mentally fit. And after those 10 days after them just eating water and vegetables they ended up being more the the bible says fatter but that means they were much more well looking they did not have their bones showing in their face they looked more like I'm here I'm strong I can do anything you tell me to do so daniel really stood up for what's right and he trusted in god even in a foreign land oh yeah that is very true daniel daniel grew up in in Jerusalem he was destined to be one of the kings if you look at the the if you if you look at the royal family uh in Jerusalem and i believe that he received a very good training from the parents and when he is taken captive to to Babylon he remains true and faithful to what he knows that is the right thing to do according to uh, the teachings that he had and so he remains connected to god and everything that happens there daniel uh, takes time to pray about it to ask god is this the right way to go and daniel as much as you know he faced discrimination many times he faced a lot of discrimination he was among the chosen from the, the, there was a practice of those kings where they would take young men and uh, young boys 
teenagers mostly and take them tr- through the, the training. And if you read uh, Daniel chapter 1, you'll find he received Babylonian education because they wanted to, to, they, they, they wanted to change what Daniel knew to what Daniel uh, needed to know about the Chaldean education so that he could be used by the king to govern. Now, if you read the story carefully, you'll find that it was not only a crisis of discrimination, but it was also a crisis of name changes. They, they changed their names. They changed their identity. You know, they wanted them to be, to be assimilated into the culture of the time. So it's like you coming here, and you have a you have a hard you have a hard name to pronounce, Kefa. Why don't we Why don't we call you John, or why don't we call you some other American name? You know. So this is what Daniel uh, went through. In other words, and Daniel specifically was given the name of the the king's god Belteshazzar. That was a that was a name of one of the gods because Daniel was to uh, to interact with the gods in some way so that's the kind of info, the kind of education he received we come here and the kind of education we receive is different is is meant to erase what we know and to replace that with some other kind of information some other kind of education and many youth have lost uh, their God, they have, they've lost the the knowledge of God that they had from their from their home. So Daniel is a story that we can relate to. The story of Daniel we can relate to very well. And I think when we look at those stories, uh, they can inspire us to remain faithful to God and to receive the 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 help that God only God can give us. Yeah, when you know, Daniel yielded, you know, he surrendered. And when he surrendered, God provided for him. Right from the get-go, you know, he provides a mentor. Although it was a Babylonian mentor, he the king gives Daniel one of his most trusted aides in the kingdom to be a mentor for him. And after that he he places Daniel in the best school in Babylon, you know. And after that he becomes a role model you know and it shows us the power of one person who yielded and surrendered his life and what god can do once you do that once you give it up and say god take it in take me i am your servant do to my life what you want to do and god takes you from place to place place to place good places right sometimes bad but he makes makes sure that whatever place he takes you, you come out bright and right. You come out gold, pure. I want to quote um, Ellen White on Messages to Young People, Chapter 3, Seeking to Please Him. Just the first paragraph, page 26, Messages to Young People. It says that the Lord has a special work to do for us individually. As we see the wickedness of the world brought to, brought to light in the courts of justice and published in the daily papers, this is, you know, it happened, it, it happened, you know. So let us draw near to God and by living faith, lay hold of his promises that the grace of Christ may be manifest with us. We have to lay our lives to Christ and let him take hold of it. So no matter what we go through, be it mental health, you know, culture shocks, if we have laid our lives hold to God, he influences us and it's going to it says that we may have an influence a powerful influence in the world if the convicting power of god is with us we shall be enabled to lead souls that are in sin to conversion but we have to be converted first as youths we have to daniel he surrendered and look at what look at what god did to his life very true actually verse 8 daniel 1 says daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. He purposed. Young people, 
need to be able to purpose to make a stand and make sure that uh, they will not defile their own bodies they will not defile their knowledge of God that they have in their minds young people like you say Colin need to have purpose they, they need to say it's either God's way or no way that I'm going to do God's way and I don't want to hear your way because there's no this blessings that come from God the foundations of this earth God knows it that means God has this whole world in his hands so what can't God give you to be honest he's a he's a limitless god limitless god we're finite beings god is infinite listen to those words god is almighty god is the beginning and the end so there's nothing that god can give you even daniel he got a high seat in king darius kingdom because of his stature he, because of how he carried himself in society he the king Darius knew that Daniel would not steal from my kingdom Daniel true. would yeah, not true. go down and mess up what I have already built God, Daniel is somebody who will stand up for what's right who will make sure my kingdom is running smoothly and even there were people who were conspiring to kill Daniel but even when he was thrown in the lion's den Why? Because God was there. I remember you guys, I think you guys have heard the story of it was Elisha and he had his servant Gehazi. And they were going to battle and it was just them two. And Gehazi was like, "Hey man, you see all these people over there? We can't destroy them. We have no chance." Elisha was like, "Okay, let me open your eyes. Look behind you." He saw he saw chariots of fire, hundreds, thousands and thousands of chariots surrounding the army. <laughs> surrounding the <laughs> And then guys was like, "Okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Uh, I know we can do it." So the thing is is that we kind of limit God, but we serve the same God as he was back then. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you. He loves you so much. Yeah. And I also believe that we serve a limitless God. But at the same time, we need to be very faithful to the fact in 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 such a way that even if he doesn't come out miraculously for us, we still remain faithful. Because one day, one day, one day he is going to come out strong maybe in the immediate circumstances he may not but a time is coming if we succumb and die he is coming and he is able to raise us back up and we will go to a better place that's right so this uh is is a twofold message that god is able to to solve our problems right now but even if he chooses not to it is his choice if he chooses not to then we will still remain faithful to him and to death because we know that Jesus uh conquered death and he is coming just by the sound of the trumpet just the sound of his word we will all rise up amen amen we could go on and on we have joseph you know we could go on and on these exemplary examples in oh, the yeah. bible that we have esther mm-hmm. So now action parts the community we live in a community where it's it's diverse and um you you guys live in a in a in Minnesota where it's the african population is is huge so how can the community um help with this issue of kenyan youths and whatever challenges we go through how can the community be a part of this I remember in the beginning of this podcast we're talking about the SDA youths especially and I know we have many churches in the SDA community that has different resources so what I would say I would call on to them to raise these issues in an open way raise it in a way that we can talk about and have a candid conversation I know they began but then they stopped but these are the things that they need to be recurring 
because different youths face different problems at different times. So we need to step up as an SDA community because yes, you're marching to Zion, but do you know that everybody's marching with you? Do you know that some people did not get uh, to the same place that you're on? They got dropped off in a different area, they took an exit. Just because they're looking good, they come into church, they're dressing in a suit, they have a, a shirt, a tie, a bow tie, some nice pants, some nice, you know, shoes, a nice dress, whatever. It doesn't mean that they're right with the world and with God. Some of them are looking for the truth. Because you may tell them, read the Bible, you will find all the answers. Yes, all the Bible, all the answers are in the Bible. You can find every single answer to your problems in the Bible. But do they even have that spirit to interpret the Bible? Yes, prayer is very important. But we need to talk about issues. We need to raise up some points, share testimonies. And then this is how we can provide healing in this land. Healing, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm certain that with uh, the challenges with race and the discrimination that's going on we'll we'll see a lot of um different challenges come up because of this and our community has to be prepared to deal with us and provide the support to our young people you know schools may open up colleges may go back but then what from march what are we bringing into these schools and what are, are our young people going to face when that time comes you know go back to race and increase in mental health just because of this pandemic we've had lots of cases mental health crisis calls divorce you know truancy not even truancy but kids who are out of out of control so we'll see a lot of those things come up the community has to be prepared starting from home like we said our parents need to have candid conversations with their kids candid conversation with their kids our churches need to be equipped to provide us a, a, a safe place for kids or youths to to come and feel free to talk feel vulnerable you know our pastors need to be trained in mental health and how to respond to that because if you can't have solace at home where do you run to? You run to church. But again, if the church is not equipped to to do that, where else can you go? To the world. You know, that's where you find, you know, temporary uh, things to do like drug, drug abuse, chemicals, you know. So before we get to that point, our homes, our churches have to have a buffer for our kids to feel free and feel vulnerable and to be able to talk so we can alleviate this type of um, this confusion that's true i think the biggest the biggest uh, part that we need to cultivate is a culture of listening ultimately everybody wants to be heard everyone everyone wants to be listened to and listening is the first part is is the is the base upon which we can spring to the other solutions because as kefa you have said um, community members will tell you go read the bible go pray but we haven't listened is the problem needing prayers is the problem needing a reading of the bible and if we read the Bible, which part, you know? So that's why I say listening is an important part of uh, getting to the solution. Because once you listen, once you go back, my, my administrator at work likes to say, we need to find the root cause. What is the root cause of this problem? And so you go, you dig deep, you go back down into the into the abyss to try and figure out what went wrong and at what point then you can be able to guide the person to the right direction so i think we need to learn to listen and then we need a lot of time we are living in a busy society so a lot of people will give you shortcut answers so that they can continue with their business so that they can continue with what they are what they need to do 
but we need to create time to be able to listen to be able to uh, to to com- converse and have a relationship with all our youth so that we can hold their hands and guide them forward in their lives amen and you know if youths cannot find joy and acceptance in the church they'll go looking for it out there i've experienced that firsthand when you don't find acceptance at church or you don't find as if the church is a safe place where you can share your ideologies figure out how to move forward with life guess what they will go out in the streets and try to find it there and like i've said in this podcast there's no joy in the world there's none at all that's just temporary happiness you may go to a party and your heart rate goes up you feel your adrenaline pumping and you're like okay this is it this is where i need to be but then when you go home you start regretting there's no way that will go away you will go home you'll be like man why did i do this why did i do that so the thing is is that the church needs to provide a safe environment where youths come in and they're like I find rest. I find joy. I don't feel as if I have to be somebody else because when you're at school, you try to be 10 different people at one time. You're hanging around the African American people. You're so different. You're hanging around the Caucasian people. You're so different. You're hanging around the Mexicans. Oh, you're so so different. It's like you're playing like a different face in in different environments because as Kenyans there's not too many Kenyans in one school they're all over the place right so we can't really f- be ourselves because of like oh you're weird right so we have to be somebody else so at church we need to provide an environment when they come to church they're like now this is where i need to be not out there like collins has said be more attentive and listen to your children listen don't do too much talking amen, sometimes amen. to listen <laughs> amen last words fellas last word i'll say to all the people who are listening to this whatever that you're struggling with do not give up we are together i'm also a culprit of these different ideologies and cultures that are that affected me in the past. And at this time I'm in the other side and I'm like, you know what? You can get through it. And once you come out of it, you'll be like, wow. Now I'm stronger than I was ever before. I can even face more trials in the long run. And I read I would like to read a verse from from James Uh can you open up to James 1 very quickly here and it says here My brothers and sisters consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way for you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials the result is the ability to endure that's James 1 verse 2 and 3 So when you face such trials consider it nothing but joy because at the end of it you'll provide endurance to face even difficult trials so don't lose hope my brothers and sisters we're all in this together we're in america if you need somebody to talk to we're here for you we love you we care about you and we will fight this battle until jesus christ comes again amen wise words indeed wise words yeah um thank you so much Kefa for that wonderful revelation and those wonderful encouraging words. Uh for me I will leave you with 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. This is a verse I run to every time I get into a, into a place where I'm I, I feel like I'm boxed in. I run to this verse. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And Paul continues to say, but God is faithful. Those are powerful words. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it.
those are powerful words. Amen. You will not be overtaken by temptation. Amen. I'll read uh, testimonies for the church. 717. Um, Ellen White says, Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible, than the soul that fills its nothingness and relies wholly on the merits of the Savior. God would send every angel in heaven to the aid of such an one, rather than allow him to be overcome. He will send his the army, his all entourage of angels to a soul that is has surrendered itself to Christ, to him. So, and those are the victories that we need as young people. Little victories that mean a lot and may help someone on their journey. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll finish with a word of prayer from Brother Kevin. All right, let us uh, bow our heads for the prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. You've blessed us with the opportunity to share our thoughts coming from you, from the word of God, trying to discover new truths in this amazing truth podcast. Dear Father, we have talked many things, but we know that uh, all these things can be in vain if you are not in it. To those who are listening, send the Holy Spirit down upon them so that they may interpret the word of God and to open their minds to the truths of this world so that they can maneuver it correctly. Provide them insight. Dear Father, provide them wisdom. And O Lord, bless us as we are in a foreign land. We are sometimes forgetful as to how far you've taken us. You've taken us from different countries all over the world to come to America, this land of opportunity. Dear Father, do not leave us. Guide us throughout this way. Help us so that we may get a crown when you come back for the second time. May our names be written in the book of life because we pray all this trusting and believing in your holy name. Amen.